Well, most uh, Sundays while I'm driving up to church, it takes about eight minutes for me to get here on a Sunday morning. And uh, most Sunday mornings when I'm driving here, I, I start to feel a little sense of anxiousness. A little bit of worry starts to creep into the car as I'm driving up and all getting, making my way to church. And I start to ask these what if questions. You know, what if I forget to say something? What if someone doesn't show up to play their part? What if my throat closes up while I'm trying to talk on Sunday morning? You know, what if I forget to wear my chief socks on the first day of a uh, chief season? Yeah. All right, settle down, settle down. You know, all these, uh, these what if questions. What if, what if God doesn't get highlighted? What if people don't sense that God's moving in their life through our time together? What if, what if? And these worries and these fears, these anxious thoughts have a way of, of, of coming down upon us. And, and the weight of them can, can really cause us to struggle. I think about today's date. It's September 11th. What comes to mind when you hear that date, September 11th? How could that not come to mind, those of us that were alive in 2001 and we saw those planes flying into those buildings and the tragedy that came across our country through the, over our TVs, it changed so many things. And for weeks after, we were all a little panicky about are more attacks going to come? And that fear quickly turned into anger and a demand for a response. And last week, I read an article by uh, Christina Ray Stanton in, in the Common Good magazine, which is a local publication here in Kansas City that seeks to help people live an integrated life in their Christian faith. And she wrote about her experience on September 11th. And uh, here's what she wrote. On September 11th, 2001, we ran down 24 flights of stairs in terror after witnessing a passenger jet fly into the South Tower of the World Trade Center, just six blocks from our apartment. My husband Brian and I had been standing on our terrace trying to comprehend how a fire could have ignited in the North Tower when a jet zoomed just a few hundred feet above our heads on its way to the target. Panicked, I fled barefoot in my pajamas while Brian had enough presence of mind to grab Gabriel, our 40-pound dog, and carry him down the stairs. And we sought refuge in Battery Park, which turned out to be no refuge at all when the towers collapsed, trapping us in a maelstrom of toxic dust and ash. She continues to write, displaced and discombobulated. Over the next couple days, Brian slept around the clock, but I couldn't sleep at all, and I couldn't be still. So I wandered all over Manhattan, expending energy with no particular purpose. And she continues to write that as she walked around Manhattan, what she saw was people in the midst of their loss and their pain turning towards one another and expressing grace and kindness to each other in the midst of that tragedy. Worry and fear, those anxious thoughts that cause me to think, what if, as I'm driving to church, those anxious thoughts that cause Christina's husband to not be able to sleep and for her to not be able, uh, for him to only sleep and for her to not be able to sleep, all that worry and stress, it's, it, we all face it. We all face anxious thoughts and worries. And the Bible has a lot to say to us about worry and anxiety. We see it over and over in the scriptures. Philippians 4, 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul encouraging his young church there in Philippi. And Jesus taught us, Jesus said, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body. He said, pursue Christ's kingdom first and everything else will come together in just the right way. There was one time that Jesus was with his friends getting ready for dinner and as he waited, Martha, the host of the home, was hurrying around the house, getting things ready, and her sister Mary was sitting, listening to Jesus tell stories and teach his friends there. 
And the story says that Martha was distracted and stressed out about all that was taking place. And Jessica, one of our staff members, pointed out to me that Martha may have been stressed out about Mary sitting at Jesus' feet because she wasn't supposed to be doing that. That was not socially normal for a woman to sit with a rabbi. Rabbis taught men. They didn't teach women. And so Mary was breaking the social norms of the day. So maybe Martha was stressed out about that as well. Eventually, Martha stopped all of her work and came to Jesus, Jesus and said, Would you tell my sister to help me? Tell her to get back in line and do what she's supposed to do. And Jesus said to Martha, 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 you are anxious and troubled about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Jesus says what she's doing. She's doing what I want her to do. This is the right thing at the right time. Martha Just let these things go. All these passages and many more add up to this idea that worry is wrong and trusting God is right. When we face worry and anxiety, we need to turn towards God and believe that He is with us. And if you're anything like me, when I start to worry, when I start to feel anxious, I remember what the Bible says, and then I worry about my worrying, right? (laughs) Then I start to get anxious because I'm feeling anxious, because I'm not supposed to feel that way. And I start to beat myself up. If we respond to worry like there's a loud heavenly voice saying, stop it, you know, we're probably not going to get that far from anxiety if that's our understanding of what God is doing. It'd probably be good for us to work on separating our experience of worry and anxiety with our response to worry and anxiety. We all have anxious moments. We all have anxious experiences. It's just part of life. They come at us. And the encouragement of Scripture is what do you do when worry comes? What do you do when you feel anxious? Because we all feel anxious. That emotion of fear, that impulse of worry erupts in our minds, and it calls us to do something, to take action, to move. It bolts us into movement. We all feel worry. How are you going to respond when that comes? One psychologist and researcher wrote last spring about anxiety, Dr. Tennis Tare, and this is what she wrote. We've, all, we've convinced people that anxiety is a dangerous affliction and that the solution is to eliminate it, as we do with other diseases. But feeling anxious isn't the problem. The problem is that we don't understand how to respond constructively to anxiety. That's why it's increasingly hard to know how to feel good. How do we feel like things are moving forward? because we don't know how to respond to anxiety. The article she wrote is called In Praise of Anxiety. Like anybody would praise anxiety, but that's the title of her article. And it says we need to distinguish between ourselves and our feelings. Last week we talked about our identity and who gets to inform how we see ourselves. If I define myself as a worrier, if I just say, well, I'm just somebody who panics, I'm, just anx- I'm an anxious person, it's going to be a lot harder for us to live out the identity that God is calling out of us, this new life that he has for us. How do we see ourselves? Worry and anxious thoughts can, can move us to action. They should move us to pray and to serve and to reflect and to trust that God is with us. I want to acknowledge a couple more ways that we can process our, our worry and our fear when it comes on us. But first, I think it's important to acknowledge that there is a difference between what we all experience when it comes to worry and anxious thoughts and something called anxiety disorders. There's something called anxiety disorders that is different from our worry and our anxiousness. I brought with me today this big purple book. Uh, It says Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition, uh, or DSM-5 for short, which is a lot easier to say. 
Uh, this is on my wife's, uh, in my wife's office at home. It's a counselor. She has this huge volume, and uh, it's filled with um, cataloging and describing every mental battlefield that uh, researchers and clinicians have been able to identify and, and qualify. And, and you can see there's some tabs in this uh, volume here, and Angela tells me these are for me. This is the areas where I'm, I'm needing to do some work. She just made some notes for me, which I appreciate. There's an entire section in here about anxiety disorders. And while worry is a real response to real threats and issues in our everyday lives, anxiety disorders trap some of our friends and relentless fear about things that may or may not be happening in the future. While anxious thoughts can help us focus in on a specific issue that we're facing, an anxiety disorder can cause some of our family members, even some of us, to engage in avoidance behaviors to try to step away from life because we just can't handle it. So we, we do things like we take substances to take the edge off, or we pull away from social settings because we just can't handle it. There's these habitual things that we do to distract us from the circumstances of our lives. And it's difficult for us to work through that. The DSM-5 here states, anxiety disorders differ from developmentally normative fear and anxiety. So right away it says, we, there's a normative kind of fear and anxiety that we all face. But this disorder, these disorders are different because it says by being excessive or persisting beyond developmentally appropriate periods. So there is a type of anxiety and worry that is excessive and beyond normal kind of experiences that we all face. If you're facing persistent, dominant, fearful thoughts that, that haunt your mind and restrict your ability to fully engage in the life that God created you for, I just want to encourage you to talk to someone about that, to come and talk with me or other staff here at church, if you have a counselor or a spiritual director, to share it with them because they can help you process that and bring you through that. You're not just a, a worrier. You're not just simply obsessed about stuff. That's not your identity. That is not truly who God created you to be. You were created to live in, in wide open spaces, fully trusting your creator God and, and growing in your ability to love him and love others around you. So there is worry. There is good worry that moves you towards a focus, towards a, a, an end point that you're working towards. And then there's anxiety disorders that cut you off from the life that God made you for. There's good fear that's like a, a sacred wound that points us towards God and helps us grow in our dependence on Him and reminds us that we're all longing for something more. We're longing for something holy, something eternal. And then there's anxiety disorders that separate us from others and, and remove us from the community that we're called to be a part of. So I just want to encourage you to make a differentiation between those two things. In Scripture, there's a word, a Greek word for worry and anxiousness. In the Greek, it's mirima. So Paul says, uh, don't be anxious, don't be mirima. Jesus says, who can add an hour to their life by worrying about it? This common expression we all have of worry. But then there's a different word used when Jesus is facing uh, the cross. The night before he died, he, he was in the garden with his friends praying and, and he felt such pressure, so much anxiety that Scripture tells us that he was sweating drops of blood and he thought about his death coming the next day on the cross. He thought about his separation from God. And the Greek word there is agonia, anguish and agony. And Jesus was fighting against it, this different kind of anxiety and worry. And Paul writes about fighting the good fight. He says you should fight that good fight. And that's what Jesus was doing in the garden. He was fighting against the agony that was in front of him. I think about Paul and all that he went through. 
Paul, who was almost killed by an angry mob and then arrested and then thrown in prison for two years and then shipped off to Rome to stand trial. And on the way, his ship sunk in the sea and he swam to the island of this, the shore of this island. And once he got to the shore, he built a fire to warm up and a snake came out, a poisonous snake, and bit him while he's trying to... I mean, this guy had much to be anxious about and to worry about. And Paul says, I want you to battle against these thoughts, these worries, these anxious things. Jesus understands the battle some of you are facing, the agony, the anguish that he went through. I don't want you to give up the fight. I don't want you to surrender to those anxious thoughts. What does it look like to fight against anxiety and worry in our lives? I want to give you just a few ideas of ways that we can fight. First, I want to encourage you to exchange your words for God's words as you're fighting anxious thoughts. Exchange your words for God's words. When we worry, we tend to get stuck in our heads. We start to get stuck in what we're thinking about, and we start to get into sometimes problem-solving mode, or we start to do a little self-talk. We fear that, we feel that fear rising up inside of us, and we, we look in the mirror and we say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. You know, we start to try to talk ourselves out of it. And I want to encourage you to just end that little self-talk you have going on, and instead let God's Word wash over you. Let God's Word instruct your heart and your mind. Let him speak words over you that can actually bring transformation in your life. Go to like Psalm 23 and remind yourself that there is a good shepherd that will lead you into into, um, fields of green and into quiet waters. Go to number seven and let that blessing, number six, and let that blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord turn his face upon you. Let that remind you that God pays attention, that he's looking at you, that he is with you. Allow the words that Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8 to remind you that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. It's nothing in this world or the next world. There's nothing inside you or outside you that can separate you from God's love for you. He is with you in the midst of your anxious thoughts. Allow God's words. Don't just trust your own thoughts. Allow God's word to help you think in new ways. Second, remember uh, as you're letting those words flow over you that you need to wait patiently for God to lift you out. You have to wait for God to move. Sometimes uh, it's hard because it doesn't happen immediately. We want it to happen immediately, but we have to wait for God's timing. David writes in Psalm 40 about being stuck in the reality of his life. And as he looks around his life, he doesn't see a lot of evidence telling him that God is with him, that God is doing something. So he starts by saying in Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited and I was patient, too, you know, kind of the same thing. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm waiting patiently for the Lord. And finally, he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. And he put a new song in my mouth. David waited. David was patient. And while he was waiting, God was working And when it seemed like life wasn't moving, God was on the move. While you wait, talk to God, turn towards him. David turned towards God and it says he cried out, which means basically he was yelling at God. What are you doing? Where are you? What's taking so long? It says talk to God. One of the paraphrases of uh, Philippians 4, 6 that we mentioned earlier says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray and let your petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. When those worries come, turn them into prayers and lift them up to God and wait for him to move. And while you're waiting, remember that you don't wait alone. That's the third thing I want to 
talk to you about. When it comes to fighting against our anxious thoughts, remember, you do not wait alone. There's this great story in the New Testament where Jesus is with his friends and they've been working all day with people serving them and, and sharing the kingdom of God and comes to the evening time and Jesus says, I want you guys to go across the Sea of Galilee, head on, get on the boat and head on over and I'll meet you on the other side. And Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray. So the disciples get in the boat and they begin their journey and they're straining at the oars, the, the story says. There's, this wind is just buffeting them and blowing against them and the waves are crashing into the boat and they're straining on the oars and it's the middle of the night, middle of the lake, and they're wondering if they're going to make it. And it's about this time that Jesus decides to, to head over. And he doesn't walk around the lake to the town. He doesn't jump on a boat. What does he do? Just starts to walk across the lake, as you do, right? Walking on the waves through the wind. And he's just walking over to meet them on the other side. And the story even says that he was going to pass them by, which I don't think he was actually going to do. I think that was referring to an Old Testament uh, idea when God would pass people by and reveal himself in a powerful way. It's called a theophany. So Jesus is going to show up in a powerful way. And they see him walking, and what's their thought? Well, it's a ghost. It's an evil spirit. It's something coming to get us. And they, they freak out because people don't walk on water. So they're scared. And Jesus says, it says, Immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And then Jesus climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. And they were completely amazed. When we're in those moments of fear and worry and chaos, we need to remember that Jesus climbs into the boat with us. He's, not, he's that, he's that non-anxious presence that we're looking for. When panic hits our heart, he's that voice that settles us down and reminds us that we're part of a bigger story, that there's more going on than what we can see and experience. Jesus doesn't walk by. He climbs in, in the midst of that wind, in the midst of the waves, and he sits with us. So what are the waves crashing against your boat this morning? What's the wind that's blowing against you that you're feeling today? Jesus gets into the boat with you. I like what John Ortberg says. He's a pastor and an author. About 10 years ago, he wrote a book called The Me I Want to Be. And in that book, he says this, Peace doesn't come from finding a lake with no storms. It comes from having Jesus in the boat. I love that. Stop looking for the lakes that are peaceful, that don't have storms. Every lake has a storm. Every life is going to face hardship and struggle and challenge. Our, our job is not to find ways to avoid it. Our job is to invite Jesus into the boat, that we, he will be with us through that storm. And remember that Jesus is not the only one in the boat with you. There's others with you in the boat. We're, we're together in this. I'm with you in the boat. The person sitting in front of you right now, they're with you. The one behind you, they're with you in the boat. And you say, well, Nate, I don't know the person sitting in front of me. I don't know if I want them in my boat, right? That's a good point. But you, you don't need to ride alone. You're sitting in a room of people that have embraced this vision that says we want to pursue new life in Christ together. We want to do this together. We want to pursue him with each other. We're trying to figure it out together, moving together towards Christ. That's why we talk about small community groups and support groups because we do life together. We experience, we read scripture, we pray, we support one another. I want to encourage you to get into a group if you're not in one already. And don't wait till life gets difficult and challenging. Do it when things are great because then you, you've got that team around you when life gets hard. When worry pushes into my heart and mind, I choose to trust God. And trusting him means believing that he works through his people. The spirit of God moves through his people to bring healing and strength to our hearts. If we could just learn to love each other with our whole hearts, if we could learn to, to love each other and be loved in return, our worries and our fears would, would just run away. 
Perfect love casts out fear. I read that somewhere. I think it's in the Bible. Perfect love casts out fear. We need each other. I remember when I was going through a particularly hard season in my life, feeling like I was all alone, like nobody could have ever faced this before. I'm the only person that's ever had to go through this. And one by one, God brought people into my life. First, it was Gary who said, hey, let's get lunch. And he sat and said, hey, 15 years ago, same thing happened to me. It's what you're going through, I went through. Here's how God brought me through it. And then Jerry, a couple weeks later, and then Tim, about a couple months later, each one saying, I've been through it too, Nate. You're not alone in this boat. I'm with you. Remember, God is with you. You can do this. We did it. It's incredible the power that comes when you realize you're not alone in the boat. How many of you have ever done one of those uh, ropes courses at a camp or like a corporate retreat? You ever done a, like, you end up 30 feet up in the air, you got that, that harness on that feels like some kind of adult diaper, right? And uh, you get strapped into the rope and you're going you're gonna to go up above the ground like 30, 40 feet and do things on this ropes course. And, you know, they say it's going to be fun. They say you're going to learn a lot through it and you're trying to believe them. And the instructor walks you through before you go up there. He says, here's this rope. You're going to be hanging on this rope. And he says, now this rope, it could hold up two full-size elephants. You're going to be just fine. It can handle your weight. And you're like, okay. And they talk about the other, the carabiners. And they say, these carabiners, you could hang a Volkswagen bus from this carabiner. It would be, you're going to be just fine. And they say, and you're going to be strapped, the guy says, you're going to be strapped to me, and I'm strapped to this pole here. It goes half a mile down into the crust of the earth. You're going to be just fine. And you get 30 feet up in the air, and you're not just fine, right? <laughs> all the facts, all the statistics, all the evidence that you're, you're on stuff that you can trust, and you're still freaking out. You're like, I'm going to fall. I'm going to hurt myself. I'm, I can't even, like that first step, you're like just shaking, trying to take that first step. And your guide's down there yelling up at you, you're, you're doing great. You're going to be fine. And you're like, how can they believe that? How is it that they're doing so great? Well, they've, they've walked that ropes course so many times. They've been up there hundreds of times. They've been on that rope. They've walked that course. They've had that harness. They've experienced it. They've been through it. And, and over time, they've found that it's trustworthy. You can trust the ropes. You can trust the carabiners. You can trust the person you're strapped into through those experiences. Some of us, we just need more of those experiences of seeing that God is faithful and good, that he is trustworthy, that in the midst of the storm, we can look back at other storms and say, you know what? He was with me then. He'll be with me now. When you get strapped in on that ropes course, you, you, you say something, right? There's some language you're supposed to say to kind of start the climb. So you're all strapped in, you're, you're, you're spread like this, like you've been riding a horse for a week, and you say, okay, on belay, right? That's the word, on belay, which I think is Greek for, so this is how I die, you know? On <laughs> belay, I'm ready to go. And, uh, and the guide says, um, the guide says, belay on, and then you say, climbing, and they say, climb on, and you start your ascent. And, uh, you know, these, these words we say to get going, and once you get up there, it's, it's a blast. Once you can get past the fear and anxiety, then the view and the wind and the, the adrenaline, just the fun of it kind of takes over. And a lot of times when you're done, you're like, oh, that was great. Now, some of you maybe would say, Nate, I, I did it once. I'm never doing it again. But for some of us, it was a great experience. I want to uh, ask some volunteers uh, that have said they're going to help out this morning handing out little cards to you. We've got some little cards with uh, little carabiners on them, and I want to I get these to all of you. So some volunteers coming up here to hand them out. Uh, on this card, it's got a little thing about the sermon series, Keeping Wholeness in Mind, but on the other side, it says Addressing Anxiety. Addressing Anxiety. And I, I just want you to take this with you this morning and think about the next time 
uh, you feel stressed out, the next time worry comes or anxious thoughts start to press in, there's some ideas here of how, how, how can you move forward? How can you keep climbing? How can you move forward uh, in the midst of that reality? So first idea, meditate on passages such as Psalm 23. We talked about that already. Let God's words speak over you. Second, tell a friend before the worry gets a toehold. Invite somebody into the boat with you. Remind yourself that there are people that care about what's going on in your life and invite them to hear your story. Third, use a breath prayer such as, God, I'm casting all my cares on you. Talk to God about it. God, I'm going to give these things over to you. I know that you see, you are aware, you care. I'm going to give it over to you. Exercise, number four, exercise. Get some of that excess adrenaline out of your body. Go for a walk, ride a bike, um, whatever it helps you process some of that stuff in your body. Fifth, identify your fear and take one step to help you confront it. What is the thing that's causing this fear? And let's, take, let's get practical and do something about it. Last one, get adequate rest. I mean, we underestimate how important sleep is to us, don't we? We need to figure out, if we're not sleeping well, you got to figure that out. we got to work, talk to your doctor, talk to, you know, figure out a way to work through those sleeping challenges you're having. We need sleep to deal with the anxiety and the stress in our lives. So I just want you to take these with you and have some practical thoughts about how you can handle that stress the next time it comes. And, you know, belay, it doesn't mean this is how it ends, obviously. It, it, it means uh, to hold fast and secure. That's what belay means. On belay means I am held fast and I am secure. When you have that kind of attachment, you, you can feel more confident in God's presence with you. Next week, we're going to be talking about secure relational attachments. And what does it mean to be part of a trusted community and how that helps us in our, our mental health? The kind of Sometimes we settle for connections that are not healthy. And what does that look like? How can we change that? When panic and fear and worry come on you, you get to decide how you will respond. You are not your worry. You are not your anxiety. They are emotions and realities that all of us deal with. And you get to decide how you're going to respond. I want to encourage you, choose to trust in God to believe that you are not alone, to have faith that he is with you in the midst and he will walk you through. We face them every day and we choose to climb on. We choose to invite Jesus to climb into our boats and walk with us. So, so let's climb on together. Let's take a moment and talk to God about this. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you are with us no matter what we are facing, that you are good and faithful and that in the midst of our lives, when worry and anxiety come at us, Lord, that you carry us through. I pray especially, Lord, for anyone in the room right now who is straining against the oars of life, who feels that wind and those waves crashing against their boat. Father, I pray that you would speak to them right now. Spirit of God, that you would settle in their hearts. Remind them that they are not alone. That you see the journey they are on. I pray that you would empower them to wait patiently as you guide them through. I ask, Lord, that you would bring others alongside them to hear their story and remind them that others have faced what they are facing. Lord, we thank you that you have called us your sons and daughters, that we are chosen, accepted, welcomed in by you. Help us to embrace that reality, that identity in the midst of our worry and our anxious thoughts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.